ocean water, water talks. Got my buddy uh, Tim Kirkpatrick on here today. Tim's been helping nonprofits, businesses, NGOs, churches do what they need to do for a very long time. And uh, I got introduced to Tim from some video courses that I watched that were very, very helpful to me uh, in developing a process to help people understand what we do at Ocean Water. And uh, it was very, very helpful. So out of that, decided to have a little combo with you today, brother. So thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, stoked. Okay, so uh, uh, when you're at home these days, we've all been at home. Where's home? What do you get to eat? And uh, yeah, how do you do it? Yeah, usually we talk about our favorite restaurants, but we haven't been going out to eat too much. Um, I live just west of Washington, D.C. in uh, Northern Virginia, which uh, is, is absolutely amazing. We love it. We love the history. We love the scenery. We're about uh, an hour to three hours from the beaches, depending on how nice of the beach you want to go to, um, and about 30 minutes from mountains. So it's, it's just a really, really great uh, what we would call mountains over on the East Coast, at least, but uh, a really great time. But I haven't been eating out too much, uh, but I have been smoking a lot of meat and barbecuing and experimenting and just doing all the things that a dad's supposed to know how to do automatically that they don't teach you in dad school, uh, mm -hmm. like how to grill the perfect steak and, and whatnot. So uh, the, the only problem with that is, is the rest of my family are completely vegan. And so when I'm making a 10 pound brisket, um, it, my dog and I eat off of that for a while. That's about it. I, lo I love the, I love the diversity of thought of, uh, <laughs> of the home, man. My, my uh, father, I've seen my father eat a piece of chicken, I think twice in my life, twice I, that I can remember. My dad has been a vegetarian my entire life. I've always told my dad, he like missed a generation. He, he was a vegetarian my whole life, rode his bicycle to work, and surfed and was very <laughs> unconventional. He was like, he was born two generations early. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But um, yeah, so, so Tim, thanks for that. Uh, excited to, that's a beautiful part of the country. I, I, I've been out there. I love it. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, what, are you, what are you doing these days, and how did you get into it? Yeah, um, I have an organization called Second Chair Solutions, and it's a business I run that was, when we started, was just me doing consulting work for, for different organizations and, and people, almost like a hired gun coming on and, and helping them transition through some stuff. But it, it grew fairly rapidly the last couple of years, and, uh, and I have several other people that work with me. Basically, what we do is anything that an organization, a leader, um, is going through whether it's it's a rough transition or maybe they're just stuck in some organizational cultural things systematic stuff strategy we come alongside um, out of the spotlight helping them from the side or from the back and uh, and really propping them up for success and, and our whole mantra is like your vision is our mission so whatever it is you want to do we want to help you do it but we don't want any of the credit we want to be completely behind the scenes and uh and that really comes from in in romans the message version of romans uh 12 talks about learn to play second fiddle so we call it the second chair or uh second chair solutions which we don't want first chair that's for other people and that's completely fine uh we want to we want to come alongside help you for a time and then get you off and, and running 
Um, and so we've been doing that for the last four or five years and it's been uh, just going gangbusters and, uh, and the way we started all that is, is a very interesting story in and of itself. But, um, yeah, we love it and, and things are going great. COVID kind of knocked us off a little bit because we had a lot of travel plans. Um, but with anything in life, you pivot and you try to figure out how that works and how you do that with virtual school or no school and everything else that goes along with it. So, uh, actually I was talking to one of my, one of my clients the other day and I said, I've had to really coach myself and take a lot of the advice that I give other people. I've had to take it a lot myself, um, the last couple of months. And so it's taste of your own medicines. It's kind of interesting and fun. I can see why you're, uh, you're good friends with Rick Dunn. <laughs> yeah. Very, very similar heart. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah. Yeah. Rick's a great guy. He is a wonderful man. I've been following his Bronco journey. He's, he's restoring <laughs> an old Bronco. Yeah, I'm trying Rick. not to have the envy. Yeah. He's a car pro. He is a, he's a car savant. What a, yeah. What a, what a great guy. Um, so part of, part of being a leader, uh, you know, you help leaders, you come alongside leaders, you serve leaders. We're always trying to get at uh, learning. Learning has um, two ways to learn. We learn from others' mistakes or our own. So one, one of the things that I like to ask uh, people is, you know, what, what are some things that you might, you know, that current Tim might say to like, you know, 20-year-old Tim? What are some things you've learned along the way? <laughs> Let's see, I got to edit some of this stuff out because I think the, uh, besides, the 20 year old Tim, besides I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the 20 year old Tim would, would only, would only hear things if you were yelling at him or slapping him around. Uh, cause it's very, very hard headed. Right. Um, I think patience is huge. Uh, as the older we get, the more we realize that there was time to have patience when, the younger we are, we don't understand time. When you're 20, um, you've only lived 20 years. You've, you've lived it all. And you're like, well, that, that went by way too fast. I don't have, I have no concept of what 60 is like. I have no concept of what 40 is like. All I know is I feel like I'm a third of the way through my life or half of the way through my life or, you know, up until that point, you're all the way through your life. So you, so you have no concept. Um, that starts to change around 30, 35 uh, I'll be 40 uh, in a couple of months and it's not rocking my world as much as it did my dad. I think when, when I saw my dad turn 40, when I saw his friends turn 40 um, and uh, about five years ago is how I got into what I'm doing now. Um, I, I kind of had this whole existential crisis of, of what am I doing? Like, why am I here? What's, you know, I'd achieved a lot in my life up until that point. Some of it planned, a lot of it not planned. And uh, just kind of had a whole why am I here uh, type, of, type of moment and walked through. Donald Miller had a great course. Donald Miller from uh, Blue Like Jazz and What on Earth Are You Here For? He's now got a company called Story Brand, but he had a whole life plan course that I did. It's like 16 modules that, uh, that I walked through and it just it completely wrecked my life in a good way and helped me re rebuild a lot of things. That's where I, I came up with the the life calling, the life purpose of I'm here to help others do what God's called them to do. Uh, and the moment I, I shifted my perspective in that my job didn't change. My marriage 
situation didn't change. My kids didn't change. My perspective changed and everything else changed with it. And I would go back and I would tell that younger Tim, the sooner you figure out your purpose and the sooner you only do your purpose, the better your life is going to be. Wise words, man. That'll, that'll work. That'll work every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Try to, try to find out, you know, what, try to find out what we're supposed to be doing and then, and then go and do it in as, in as nice a way as possible. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, part of, part of growing too is, you know, just staying curious. So what are you, what are you interested in these days? There's no right answer to it. Just, yeah. What, what are you interested in? Well, right now I'm interested in Rick Dunn's Bronco, but that's that's more uh, old envy than anything else. I try not to get too meta philosophical on it. Um, I do I do like old things. I like old houses. I like old cars. I like old people. Um, I, I like old things, but I like to see them restored in a way, and and not sitting you know rusting and and broken down and all that stuff. And there's probably some like again philosophical inner thing that like I I don't want to see things wasted. I don't want to see people wasting that. But I just love tinkering with that stuff. Um, like even with uh, smoking the meats and and the briskets and the and the Boston butts and whatnot whatnot that I'm doing right now. I'm not using like the fancy thousand dollar Traeger grills or pellets or anything like that. I got uh, I, I get for free an old Weber kettle grill that um was just banged up got it for free and I, that's what i'm going to work on because that's what my grandfather would have used and that's what my father would have used and uh and so i'm, I'm having fun um with old stuff you know uh, I'm, I'm not an antique collector i just i just seek the value of of things that were well made so i'm curious about that i'm also really really into psychology right now um psychology and physiology with the way the mind and the body work together uh, there's a book uh, on trauma that's absolutely phenomenal called The Body Keeps Score yep. that I went through last year. And it is, if you, if you, it's helpful if you, if you want to be trauma informed, if you've been through a lot of trauma in your life, it's probably going to bring up a lot of things. Um, but just seeing the, how psychology and physiology really work hand in hand uh, and, and they're more connected than separated has just been absolutely fascinating to me. It's also helped on on the client and on the business side of helping people as well. So, yeah, those are those are from <laughs> from meat to psychology and physiology. Those are all those are all things I'm curious about. I I tend to be naturally curious uh, as, as well, so I I could get very curious about a lot of things very quickly. Well, I, that's one of the best qualities I think you can have as a person is uh, your absolutely, and that's why it's fun to. To, to have these conversations. I like what you said about old people. I, li I like old people too. I yeah, there's some. I think they're great. I think, I think they're scrappy. That's the word, they're scrappy. And there's, yeah. a, there's a different set of, uh, I, I don't know, I just, I like, I, like all, I like all types of people, but I really, I really like old people. Uh, I, I think you get the perspective too, um, even with that and, and talking about patience. Um, old people will tell you when you need to act quicker and when you need to act slower mm. because they've seen it. The younger you are, the harder it is to discern those two. 
And yeah. so we act quickly on things we need to be patient about and we're hesitant on things we need to act quickly on. Yeah. And really, I, I don't know any other way other than failing um, that you learn the difference between the two, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and so that's why I try to get, I, I do, I, I ask, I will naturally be curious with, with older people um, and ask them, what's, what's your best win in life? What's your biggest, like what you're doing? What's your biggest failure? What's your biggest regret? What's one thing that, that you're glad you did early on, you know, all that stuff just to try not to reinvent the wheel every single time, just try to learn from other people's successes and failures. And it's been, it's been very, very uh, rewarding doing that. Yeah, it sure has. And we, the, the older, yeah, the older I get to, the more I find myself apologizing about every decade I've lived. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, so what's it, on that line? I think one of the, what, another fun question to ask is something that you failed at, that you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. The, um, keep it recent. Keep it recent. Yeah, I, well, yeah, honestly, it's fairly recent that I, that I changed. I don't think I realized how bad I was failing at it until I stopped doing it. Um, so by nature, second chair leader, um, I have no problem being the Robin to somebody's Batman type, type of situation, right? Yeah. Uh, disc profile, high I, high D. I'm a D if there's not another D around. If there's a D around, I'll go into the I space, all that stuff. I have not done a good job leading up. Very good at leading down. Um, but leading up, with whether it's with clients or people that I've worked for, realizing that everybody wants to be led. Everybody wants the cookies out on the table, bag open, all that stuff. And so realizing the responsibility is on me, not to be forceful with it, but to say, hey, this is step one to step five. Let me walk you through that. And, and whether it's your fundraising, uh, which you probably are doing a lot of fundraising, whether it's fundraising, whether it's disseminating information to a staff or, or, or even if it's working with your spouse or with your kids, clearly communicating and leading them step by step uh is absolutely huge otherwise we're all walking around with like ikea instructions with an allen wrench and a picture and then like three pictures later everything's supposed to be done and and just like ikea furniture it leads to a lot of frustration and confusion so um i think just leading people micro steps not micromanaging but just leading people and the responsibility is always on the person to do that always on the per like if i want something done i need to lead you to that and uh, I, I, I think I've not done a good job of that in the past. And uh, it really, really put me far behind uh, on a lot of things I wanted done personally, professionally, relationally. So well, that's great. That's great. So let, let's, uh, let's hang a bit of a right. Um, yep. What do, you, what do you know about uh, like the water situation in the world? What would be your your, your, your reference. Yeah. So, um, I'm on a freshwater team that, uh, it's a desalination team, which uh, you obviously know a lot about, um, that 
can in 24 hours, moments notice, go anywhere in the world. There's a tsunami, earthquake, whatever, uh, be deployed with some private airplanes and and get to a location to to provide emergency water. Uh, obviously, everybody needs water to survive, um, and that's an emergency situation. What what I've seen though, more often than not, is the long that's long term effects of not having clean water versus having clean water. Yeah forget a week or two weeks that that would lead to, to sudden death, obviously. Um, but when you're getting into, you know, um, impoverished countries, uh, countries without clean flowing, fresh water, um, that's where you're going to get the cholera. That's when you're going to get, uh, a lot of the, the viruses, bacteria and disease, um, or just the, the malnutrition that comes from not having fresh water with your crops or with your animals that, uh, that can lead to just some serious, serious long-term educational and, and, and impoverished, um, uh, just state of the community. So, um, as far as statistics or anything like that, not quite sure. I just know, uh, I just know it's a huge, huge need, uh, that seems like it's a drop in the bucket every time something something positive does happen, but, but the need see, is seemingly always there for clean, sustainable, fresh water. Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually had some really great long discussions on the phone with John Lyon. Yep. Yeah, great guy. And, uh, John, John's the CEO of, of yeah. World Hope. And, um, and, and, and I've actually spoken with his mom. Yeah, uh, jo- Joanne. Joanne's the the real deal with that. Uh, jo- John's great. Lady. Uh, speaking of a speaking of somebody who's older that I had a really nice conversation with, I must have spent an hour with her on the phone asking her all sorts of questions about all sorts of stuff. Some of it was uh, was uh, related to water, and she she actually was very supportive. She she connected me with her son, and I had some. Uh, I, I do. I reach out to him from time to time, and I ask him technical questions and. And because yeah. uh, what I love about what John's working on is uh, is that it, it provides a quick solution in a crisis. Yeah. So, well, and and what I like, Joanne and uh, and John both. Joanne found, founded the organization twenty some years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, John took it over recently, but uh, they probably won't. John might, but they probably won't hook the water systems up but they're going to connect everybody to, yeah. to do it. They're going to get Amazon and Google and, and Tesla to, um, to power everything and, and get stuff there uh, via prime air or whatever it is. Um, and they're going to connect people with boots on the ground to actually get the work done. Uh, and, so, and so that's, that's uh, John and I are friends and Joanne and I go, go way back, but that's how I got connected with the freshwater stuff uh, yeah. as well. Cause I got curious a couple of years back and became a, a certified EMT for no reason. Um, uh, like I did the wilderness survival EMT course, three weeks EMT course. And so they said, Hey, you probably would be good to, to be ready to be deployed. Uh, so it's just, it's kind of one of those things I was curious about and then got, got stuck yeah, with it. I, I love what they're doing, especially because they're, they're, uh, they're able to respond quickly and that's very right. important. So kind of in the people are like, well, what do you need when it, when it comes to water, do you need relief or development? Well, the answer is both. You need both. You need relief is um, a quick response in a crisis, which if a tsunami hits or if there's an earthquake or there's a natural disaster, what I love about what um, 
John does is they're able to, like you said, to, de to deploy quickly and provide that relief. That's wonderful. And I've actually uh, spoken with him about uh, leaving open the opportunity of us um, passing the torch after they've done some relief into doing some development. And then of course we do the development uh, through a local church and there's a lot of practical reasons for that. Perfect. Yeah. People after you've done relief, um, things only survive in the long term if they're run by locals. And yep. I understand locals and localism because I've surfed my whole life. And there are many cultural similarities between kind of the localism and the territorialism that exists in surfing and how it helps you when you're doing development work in third world countries. Yeah. When you're doing long-term, just some of that, some of those nuances there of, of, um, of, of respect and work in, uh, working through locals, locals only. That's like a surf joke, but that's actually yeah. might be some of the best advice you could ever get when you're doing work outside of the U S it's locals only. <laughs> yeah. Hey, side surfing question. Yeah. Have you ever been surfing in Puerto Rico in recall? Uh, I have not, but I've, I'm in dialogue with a, with a few, probably five people about, about doing something there in, in the right timing. Yeah. I, I was down there uh, around Christmas time. We were touring around the whole island and uh, everything's very touristy, obviously in, mm -hmm. in parts of Puerto Rico, but you get out to Recon and which is on the Western yeah. coast, which is, I mean, it's like surfer's paradise out there. And that, that's the whole thing. It's locals only. And it was, I mean, it was great, but, uh, just as you said that, I thought, man, that's, I mean, you were, you were so right when the, you go to the surfing subculture, uh, it's, it's a whole nother world. Well, that, that just that little understanding, you know, I it, what, what, what was a long time joke as a, as a kid growing up has actually helped me as I've developed ocean water, because as you, as you, that little, that little understanding of, of surfing, I've surfed for uh, 34 years now and having just having that uh, understanding is very helpful you know yeah um, in fact I remember I surfed uh, I went to Hawaii one time and I, I, I was in Maui and there's a spot there called Honolulu Bay the waves are very good really good and there were six there were six Hawaiians out uh, surfing and I paddled out and I said, I'm Ryan, I'm from California. I'm going to be here for eight days. Is it okay if I surf here today? And uh, they said, absolutely. And, and then they, they ended up giving me a lot of, a lot of great waves. Yeah. But I, I was prepared to paddle back in. Yeah. Cause yeah. what you're doing is you're respecting the locals, respecting yeah. the culture, not stepping on, on toes that you don't know about. Even if they were going to be polite about it, you yeah. don't want to assume. I would, have, I would have turned around and gone somewhere else, but uh, it turns out that uh, the same type of respect that you decide you're going to show people, it's, it's amazing what can happen when you put respect ahead of results. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people want their results and they leave respect as a secondary. You can't do that. If you, right. if you show people respect, Eventually you'll have results, but if you aim for results, 
you'll eventually won't have those because you don't have anyone's you don't have anyone's respect. So a little just a little nuance. In fact, a lot of uh, you may wonder why I why I show this this photo. This isn't just a cute screensaver. I mean, it is a nice photo. A fr first of all, a friend of mine took this photo, and then the guy who's uh, who's a very good surfer. This is some Papo. He leads ocean water in El Salvador. So oh, wow. He's a very good surfer. And this is also a personal photo because this, this uh, wave that he's riding is about 75 yards in front of where the water system is. So that's okay. a, and it's a very personal, very, it's also a nice photo, but it, it's always nice right. to get a little, get a little context there. And, and um, this has been a wonderful conversation, man. I had no idea that we were going to, we were going to talk about uh, John and Joanne. And that's beautiful. They're wonderful people. And I, I love how we're just all working out on a lot of the same stuff and trying to help each other. Yeah, that's it. When, that's when it. You're trying, when you're trying, that's what it's all about. It, it, exactly. I mean, when you're, there are, there are 108, there are 108 countries in the world that have direct access to, to ocean water. And when you're, and when you're talking about, um, that that type of problem you, you just need you need everyone who understands as possible and, and everyone you know helping and so th thank you for that man and um, yeah absolutely yeah so uh what what are what are what are the last words you want to give us today dude what do, what do we need to hear from tim before we uh before we call it a day um i would say find your purpose and um and and change everything that you can to to uh prop that up and if you don't know what your purpose is hang around guys like ryan and uh and you'll either either serve serve his and figure yours out or you'll very quickly figure figure out that you're supposed to be a part of it as well but i, I tell people if you don't know what it is just start playing and messing around with people that do know what theirs is and you know some of that's going to rub off on you and uh and so i would just encourage people that are watching this uh to connect deeper uh and, and ryan didn't ask me to say this but i'm just saying i, I would i would encourage you to, to connect deeper uh with ocean water with with ryan and um and figure a lot of those things out and you're going to do a lot of good along the way oh thanks tim well yeah. I, i've enjoyed getting to know you and thanks for how you've helped me so far in, in developing processes and systems that are really helpful. I spend a lot of my time when I'm at home working on that stuff to make life easier for people when they get interested in what we're doing. I, and I mean, thank you, you and Ed Love, actually. That was very, very helpful. And uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a great day, Tim. Thanks so much. All right. Bye.